All right, coaches, Brian Blackburn here with the Pound the Rock podcast. want to thank our sponsors and hardwoodtexas.com. We have Huddle, Waterboy Graphics, Scholastic Steel, Jeremy Thomas, Allstate Agency, as well as Tumbleweed Textiles. Our guest today is the girls basketball coach at Idaloo High School, Coach Tyler Helms. He was also the boys basketball coach there for a number of years, and they made four straight appearances to the uh, boys state basketball tournament when he was the head coach. Now he's the girls coach at Idaloo. Coach Helms, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I really appreciate you having us, Coach. I'm I'm excited about it. I've listened to some of the podcasts so far, and lots of good stuff on there from lots of good coaches. Well, I know we've talked in the past, and uh, I've 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 reached out to get advice from you. So I know uh, that you have a lot of good stuff, and uh, looking forward to hearing what you have to say here. My first question would be: What's what are some of the biggest differences between coaching boys and girls? Well, you know, I, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, uh, I've in, I've enjoyed the opportunity moving over to the, over to the girl side. It's been a big time learning experience. Um, wh- one of the first things that I tried to do when, when I accepted the girls job was, was to start looking up a bunch of information on, on what the differences uh, between coaching girls and boys uh, would be. And, and I reached out to a lot of coaches that, that I knew had um, e- either been successful on the girls side or also been successful in, in moving from the boys to the girls side. Um, and, and I've experienced some of those myself so far, and, and, and then some of those I haven't yet. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned in, in the last three years coaching girls is that I just have to be myself. Um, you know, I, make, I, I try to make some subtle adjustments uh, to account for the differences between dealing with the boys and the girls. Uh, but, but the biggest thing is, is that I always come back to is I can't change my personality, the, kind of the way I coach. Um, I, I think there's challenges um, in, in the differences in, in how to motivate. Um, definitely navigating the locker room chemistry is, is a big difference. Um, the, the one-on-one relationships um, are, are different in my opinion. Um, you know, one thing that I've found that, that surprised me, to be honest, is, is I like the girls' personalities so much better than the guys'. Um, and and I, it's weird because it, I, I just didn't expect that, and, and maybe it's because they're more mature at that age. Um, but but I think that the uh, that that had really shocked me um, when I first started dealing with girls, um, and, and maybe it's because uh, the, the old adage that girls are pleasers um, and, and they're much more coachable. You know, I think that that has some merit. Um, but also on the flip side of that. Sometimes them doing exactly what you want them to do uh, can be counterproductive. It may not be the most common sense thing to do um, in those particular situations. Um, so kind of, those are some of the things that I've noticed. Uh, I, I know one thing for me, I was very fortunate when I stepped over to the girls' side uh, because there was stability on the coaching staff already. So so the assistant, Coach Fox, she had been here for for I think 10 years um, as an assistant. And so that helped make my transition a lot smoother. Um, um, and, and then also there were two or three other coaches on the staff that had been here for a while. Um, so that and that really helped make the transition smoother as well. Um, it, as far as X's and O's go, to me, uh, my experience has been it, it's pretty similar. Um, and, and this is why I say this. Um, each summer, I, I, I spend the spring and the summer evaluating uh, what our strengths and weaknesses are as a basketball program. Um, and, and I did that on the boys' side, and, and I've continued to do that on the girls' side. And, and then I try to look at our personnel 
and see what we have coming back and, and then try to fit what scheme I think is going to fit the personnel that we have uh, coming back. And, and so as far as X's and O's go, um, it, it hasn't been as much of a transition as I thought it was going to be, um, just because I think that is more personnel dictated rather than um, a, a girl and a boy thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then kind of the last thing that stands out to me as far as girls basketball, particularly in, in our situation in Region 1-3A girls basketball, is that there's so many powerhouse programs. Um, you know, you have Brock and, and Jeanette and Wall, uh, Shallow Water, Canadian. Those are some that, that stand out to me off the top of my head. The strength of, of tradition and uh, the, the strength of those programs and their coaches in my opinion, we're chasing those programs. They, they've been to the pinnacle, and, and we, we haven't yet. Um, the girls' basketball program here in Idaho has, has been to three regional finals, uh, several other regional tournaments, and, and then many other district championships. But we haven't reached the pinnacle yet of those other powerhouse programs in our region. And, and so that's kind of what we're after um, you know, we were able to do it on the boys' side here, and we, we haven't been able to break through on the girls' side yet. Um, but, but I think that's the challenge, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah. So uh, as a coach, what are your strategies to, to make that happen? Is that just something that you think will happen over time eventually if you keep doing the right things? Is there a conscious effort? Is it something that you preach? I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you handle that? You know, because, I mean, you have that goal – but uh, you don't. You still want to keep it fun, and so what are I mean? What are your strategies, I guess, to kind of break through? Because I need to know that myself on the boys' side. <laughs> you know, that's funny, and you and I have talked about that. I I, I think it's important, uh, and the irony is the the importance is is to not focus on the end result, right? <clears throat> and it's difficult to not focus on that when ultimately that's your that's your goal. Um, we, uh, particularly in this fall, we, we've really tried to reevaluate our, the process of everything that we're doing. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you hear Nick Saban talk about this a lot with Alabama football. It's about the process. It's not about the end result. And I think it's so much easier to say that when you're the one that's winning championships all the time. But also at the same time, if you really break that stuff down and you start researching a, a lot of the guys that are big on the process or female coaches that are big on the process, those are normally the ones that are most successful. And, and so for our program, that's what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to uh, dot the I's, cross the T's, worry about the process of the day in, day out, all the cliches that you hear uh, the good coaches talk about. But, but I really think that, that there's value in that. And, and for us, if we never make a state tournament, that doesn't mean that we failed. That just means that there's other programs out there that, that are better than us right now. And, and so we're, we're trying not to focus on the end results. We're, we're trying to focus on the day-in, day-out grind and, and just getting better. And, and the main thing is is reaching our potential. Yeah, and if we have a championship process, then championships will follow, you know, and that's that's kind of what we – what we strive for because you know we got to have that process first and being process driven rather than result driven is uh is uh kind of will kind of help us keep our sanity as well <laughs> so it, it does and, and that's difficult it's difficult when you interact with your team 
to not bring the end goal up. I fight that on a daily basis myself is, hey, look, they're smart enough to know what we're after. You don't have to continuously bring that up. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Now, uh, you know, this kind of leads us to our next point. What's some of the best coaching advice that you've received in your years of coaching? How many years is this now for you as a as a head coach? This is going to be year nine for me as a yeah. head coach, and 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 year year eleven on the business. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the I, best advice? I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think probably the most appropriate way to to talk about the the best advice I've received is to talk about coaching mentors. Uh, all of us have coaching mentors. Uh, mo- most of us have more than one. Um, I've been fortunate that the, the mentors that I've, I've had some that are really close to me and, and then some I've reached out to, uh, but they've been gracious with their time and, and sharing their experiences and, and sharing their knowledge. But my most influential mentor is, is the guy that I played for in high school at Florida, Chris Bratton. Um, Hey, I played for him, and then I was his assistant for two years But um, before I got started. Uh, he stepped into administration and and made sure that, that I was the one that they were going to hire here at Idaho before he did. Um, and, and he knew how much talent was coming here. Um, he knew that, that we were going to be loaded for several years. Um, so I kind of think that that says a lot about his personality. He, he's won everywhere that he went. Um, he won a state championship in New Mexico. Um, he, he's one. He's one of the best basketball minds that I've been around. Um, so, so I was fortunate to have him as a sounding board, especially early in my career. Um, so, when I first took over at Idaho as the boys' coach, we were in a district with Shallowater and Abernathy. Um, and if you know anything about West Texas basketball, boys' basketball. Uh, they're perennial powerhouses for, for the last 20, 25 years especially. And, and Coach Morris at Shallow Water and Coach Riley at Abernathy, they were legends to me. And, and I was scared to death to, to even speak to them, let alone coach against them. <laughs> and, and, and so before my first season, me and Coach Bratton were talking, and, and he said, let me give you some advice. He, he said, you know, if you think that you're going to go in there and create a plan, and, and I'll coach Coach Morris and Coach, uh, and coach Riley at Abernathy. You're on drugs. You're not going to do that. <laughs> but these are the things to me that you need to focus on. And, and this advice has always stuck uh, to me um, at, at the beginning of each year when I'm trying to formulate a plan. The first thing is, 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 is be simple and then find a defense that you feel comfortable coaching and you think you can get good at. And then the last thing is, is convince your team that nobody's going to play harder than us. Um, and, and so that's always kind of stuck with me over, over the years. I've, I've gotten a lot of other advice from, from other really good coaches. Uh, but being simple, finding a defense that, that I think we can get good at, and then ultimately uh, making sure that the, the opposing team doesn't play harder than you, that's kind of what we're after. Now, does that always happen? Clearly, you're not always going to play harder than the team that you play against, and, and you try to take care of that kind of stuff in practice if you experience that. Um, but, but that's the best advice that, I, that I've received, and, and I look at that every single year when I go back and I try to formulate our plan. Okay, i got to be simple enough that I'm not going to confuse our kids. Um, I need to find a, a particular defense that we can get really good at. And then the, the last and probably most important thing is is we got to make sure we play hard. Yeah. And that that belief that you build in your team, even if it's not uh, 
I mean, the best plan or the best, you know, it, it may not work for someone else, but if it works for your team and they believe in it, you know, we're going to be the best defensive team in the state or we're going to have the best conditioning in the state or whatever that is, and you your kids believe in it, then they'll obviously, you know, run through walls for us if we can get them to believe in what we're doing. And then they kind of see the success that it breeds. Hopefully that hopefully that helps too. That's a really good thought. Yes, sir, definitely. I mean, and that's it, it's all about getting your team to believe in, in what you're doing. I'm, I've never... I've never believed that that it's X's and O's for us. Any any type of success that we've had, it's always been because our kids believe in it and and we're playing hard while we're doing it. Yeah. Why don't you talk about some of the characteristics that the best teams that you've coached, you know, you had four teams make it to the state tournament and had really good players, good athletes, but as a team, what did did those teams have? And even on a few of your uh, teams that you've coached on the girls' side, what are the characteristics that those teams have exhibited that led them to be successful besides just the, you know, good shooter, good passer, great defender? what, What are the little intangibles that they've had? Well, you, you mentioned that the good players, I think, first and foremost, that's the most important thing to recognize is we've had some unbelievably good players on, on the boys' side and the girls' side that, that have come through our program. The biggest things that, that we try to focus on in, in our off-season program and then also during the season is developing the mental toughness. Um, and and I'm, I'm big on the weight room. Um, not necessarily um, putting a lot of weight on the bar and, and you know, th- those type of things, but trying to create mental toughness in the weight room. We, we have a, a program that we do that's called RIP training. Um, it, it's a condensed version of, of, uh, of CrossFit training, and, and I think that that helps build some mental toughness in the weight room. Um, it, as far as relative to the gym and in practice, um, I think always testing them mentally in practice is important. Um, you know, developing peer pressure drills, uh, developing um, teamwork drills where, where they have to work with each other. And then also there's always a winner and there's always a loser and, and maybe a small punishment for that. that that's one thing that, that has always stood out to me when I talk to other coaches is creating that competitive atmosphere in practice. And then also for us, we try to take that competitive atmosphere to the weight room as well and, and just creating that mentality that, um, at the end of the day, we, we might get beat against the opponent that we're playing, but it's not going to be because they have a mental edge on us, and it's not going to be because they believe uh, more than we believe in ourselves. And, and that's what we try to create. Uh, I don't know that we always get that done, uh, but, but that's the base to, it, to our program that we try to create. Yeah, so if I was to condense what you what you want, what you strive for, if I was to go into one of your practices, I would see a team that competes, uh, con- a team that needs to be tough, and then a team that believes. Would those be the three pillars of your of your program, or is there some other things that you want to get get done as well? I think all of that stuff that you mentioned are are things that we strive for. Um, as far as basketball um, in practice. I, we try to create tempo and practice because we want to play fast. Yeah. Um, so, so if you walked into one of our practices, uh, my opinion is is that basketball is a game of transitioning. And, and so, um, for instance, from drill to drill, we're going to try to transition as fast as we can from drill to drill. Um, now, now, clearly, they have to understand what's going on, so you have to explain it to them on day one or day two. 
but after that, everything in practice is going to happen fast. Um, one of the one of the guys that I really researched a, a lot in looking up trying to create tempo in practice is Chip Kelly when he, when he was at Oregon football. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the quotes um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but one of the things that he said is there there isn't a speed between teaching speed and then full speed. And so after we teach it on day one or day two, after that, everything that we do is going to be full speed. And so we're trying to create that tempo and practice all the time. Um, and, and then hopefully that translates to the game where we're playing fast on defense and we're playing fast on offense. And, and we're doing all the things that, that um, our program is, is built on, which is effort and which is speed and, and which is trying to play it at, at an intense rate. Yeah. Um, you know, practice to me is the most important aspect of being a coach. Or I, I don't ever feel like I have an advantage over who we're playing during the game, and, and I mean in a, in a coaching aspect. I, I, I think that we, we have to get most of what we're trying to get done as far as game planning goes. I, we try to do that in pre-practice and then during the practice, and, and then the adjustments during the game, I don't have over over the course of the last seven or eight years. I don't feel like those adjustments during the game have won us near as many games as our as our planning and and the way we practice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. And uh, when talking about uh, your practices and and your style of play, that's how you like to coach. You like the tempo. You like transition. But it also fits your players. It's not like you're trying to fit a a round peg in a square hole. Right, I mean, this is something that your team can do well, and that you focus on, and it's also the way that you like to coach. And so, there's a lot of uh, meshing those those styles and and uh, making it work. Would you agree with that? You know, I think that's an important point that you bring up. Um, for example, my last year on the boys' side, uh, I didn't feel like we were as talented, and so we had to do some different things. Uh, to control tempo. I, I, I think that controlling tempo doesn't always have to do with playing fast. Sometimes that has to do with playing slow. Um, you know, we tried, to, we, we tried to limit possessions that year, and, and we still tried to get out in transition if, if we got rebounds or steals or if the other team made a shot. Uh, but we really tried to limit possessions. Um, I thought that was our best chance to win. Um, and I think that you have to that's, – that's a great point. You have to weigh that. Um, Hopefully in the off season you have you're able to weigh that and then and then create a plan to, to formulate that for the personnel that you have. Uh, but during that particular season, we were trying to play fast at the beginning of the year, and, and we just weren't very good at it. And, and so we reevaluated it during the middle of the year, and uh, we we started playing junk defense and and then trying to be very very selective on offense in the half court. And so I think it's important that you do evaluate as the, not only as the season goes, but, but in the off season, you know, how do you think that you're going to maximize the group that you have? Um, you know, in high school basketball, you don't get to recruit the kids that you have. You, are, you have the kids that you have, and you, and you have to make the most out of that. Um, most of the time in my coaching career, I've been fortunate enough to be in a situation where we had pretty good athletes and, and we were able to score the ball fairly well and, and we were able to rebound the ball fairly well uh, because we had some athleticism and some size. But if you don't have those things, you have to create other ways, intangible ways to, to try to compete against the best teams. 
Um, so I think that point that you bring up is a great point. You always have to reevaluate. If you can't play fast, then you got to figure out another way to compete.